Hi, welcome to the Talking Community Safety podcast, brought to you with Suzanne and Lucy from Community Safety Consultancy. We aim to give you ideas on how to deliver better community safety interventions in your area. Whether you're a commissioner or a provider, you will find this episode particularly interesting as we're talking about commissioning specialist domestic abuse services. So I'm Suzanne and I've worked in local authority for over 15 years and have commissioned specialist domestic abuse services for over a dozen years. I'm going to hand you over to Lucy to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Lucy. Um, I work with Suzanne. Um, I've also been working um, in this area for a great number of years, um, experiencing commissioning uh, specialist domestic abuse services and other services around the community safety and safeguarding portfolio for quite a long time now. So I think um, between us, we should be able to give you some really good insights into our experience um, as a commissioner, but also if you're from a provider organisation. Thank you, Lucy. So, yeah, as I said, we're going to be talking about some commissioning um, insights that we have. Um, Certainly for myself, I started off um, commissioning in the local authority. I've been working in, say, for 15 years or so. with services for supporting vulnerable people and so domestic abuse services for um, over a dozen years. Um, I think it's fair to say, wouldn't you say, Lucy, that the commissioning landscape has changed significantly. I think back in the early days when I started commissioning services, um, it was very much seen as a new thing. A lot of providers used to get a lot of um, grant funding. I don't know if that was why, or not why, how the government gave money to the local authority or just a local authority decision. But certainly over most recent years, the local authorities are much more on a commissioning approach. Even for smaller amounts of money, you're expected to um, get have some kind of competitive process, whether that's in quotations or going through a full-scale tender exercise. But do you say you've noticed changes like that too? Yeah, definitely. I think the the um, standards have improved, um, although you do still find across different local authorities that standards are slightly different. Um, procurement rules are generally the same. They have to be, but I think the way that they are applied sometimes do differ, um, particularly when we're looking at things like how to score questions, how to um, apply your your actual weighting and things like that. I think from from my perspective, I would spend quite a lot of time, and Suzanne, you'll probably agree, we spend a lot of time really looking at the wording we use for every question because the way we apply our weighting and scoring is very much dependent on those um, and it can make all the difference. Um, and as, a, as our, you know, our local authority that we've worked in, um, they're very keen to make sure that everything is very objective. There's there's no room for subjectivity. And I think sometimes people don't really consider that when we are commissioning people services. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're applying um, procurement rules that are quite rigid to services that aren't, which can sometimes feel quite frustrating and sometimes can be difficult. Um, but... I think it's all back down to that design. If you can design the questions and the framework right when you're commissioning a service, you should end up with a very fair um, and and good quality process. Um, but we've both had experience, haven't we, where we've co-commissioned across different local authorities and it does differ, it does feel different. 
Um, but I think if you're providing a service or you're tendering for a service, it's always worth understanding that it has to be objective or as, as objective as possible for the commissioners. So look at it in a, it's almost like a job interview, isn't it? You look at the specification, you look at the the weighted scores, you look you look at the words they're using and what's what the priorities are and you apply that to your answers. Because at the end of the day, as a commissioner, we're looking out for um, that really robust, detailed answer that answers our questions. Um, and it's surprising how many times you don't get that, and you or you'll see you'll see a design that looks really good, but actually because of the way the answer's been or the question's been answered, you can't score it, and that can be quite frustrating. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things I was just thinking about when you were, you were talking then about you might have a really good design model and described to you in the tender but actually they've the bidder hasn't actually applied it to your local area or they have attempted to but haven't got that attention to detail mm-hmm. with knowing the local area um for instance putting the wrong towns in or even like think a neighboring county or neighboring local authority area is your area when it, it isn't or they've clearly just picked up a bid from another area that they've recently tendered for or they might have been successful or unsuccessful, we don't, we wouldn't know, but they certainly are just copying and pasting and not tailoring it. And I think, as, like you said, I think a lot of local, local procurement rules are procurement rules, but it's how local authorities apply them does vary slightly. And certainly the people look, looking at the scoring will be will be different. So you, And the questions will be subtly different, won't they? So that attention mm-hmm. to detail is the key thing. I think that's, you know, particularly if you think of an example, because we're talking about support services for vulnerable victims, quite often there's key organisations that we will be working with on a daily basis, um, like the police, for instance, um, or the ICB. And to have a, a bid that comes in that doesn't quite understand those relationships or that those boundaries or how we work together can sometimes um, impact on the quality of what they're telling you um or you can you can quite easily see whether it's a realistic bid or not because they may be giving you a good answer but it's not actually realistic for you as a local authority area um so i think it's absolutely key for a net for a, a bidder to understand that local context and even down to kind of demographics and population size and um having an understanding of the cohort that they may be working with um, is is really important when when you're looking at again back to that being realistic and and if it's not realistic you know that comes out in the process as well because we have quite a good you'd make sure you do due diligence in the process as well so even if a an organization wins a, a tender process initially if it's not realistic you won't get through due diligence so it's worth looking at all of that from the from the off really yeah, uh, absolutely. I think um, a key um, thing I've noticed as well is when, as well, the familiarity that people can also assume, so they don't necessarily think you you know them as an organisation, um, and they assume that they you you know that. And I think they, like you said earlier, the subjectivity is really important, and they won't just be your normal contacts that you might be working with um, on a daily basis as a provider with the local authority looking at your bids. It may well be a a whole host of um different organizations 
because obviously last time we um, run a tender, we had representatives from the ICB and um, other departments as well um, in the local authority who would not have had day-to-day contact. So I think providers can also assume that you as a council will know, but I think that's a mistake. Like with an interview, isn't it? Like you said earlier, really, just because you, if you're going for an internal job interview with a, in an organisation, you can't assume, you can't, you have to answer the questions that people don't know you. You can't think, oh, I know them, they know me. You have to really evidence that, don't you? I think that's something people don't necessarily always quite appreciate. Um, particularly if you they think that you know they're doing a good job, that's irrelevant, unfortunately, um, isn't it? So it's um, quite a, a challenge for some organisations. It is, is a challenging, and it's, it's really time-consuming. I think as commissioners, we're always aware that actually it's really time consuming. I think so um for organizations to prepare bids, but it has to be um it has to be time consuming when you're um giving away, not giving away, contracting millions of pounds of money or even thousands of pounds of money. It all has to be accountable, doesn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So um I think it'll be worth talking at this point around social value because that's a key area I think in all of the the procurement um, and commissioning cycles that we've run social value is always that at that point where scores or or levels of success for any bid can change quite dramatically um, just because of the understanding or the lack of understanding of social value and how it's applied Um, And it can be different and it has changed recently as well, isn't it, in terms of how um, particularly local authorities measure social value. It's a bit more objective than it used to be. It's not it's kind of judged on narrative plus facts about data that you can provide. Um, But I think unless you really understand it, but also understand it from that particular commissioner's perspective then that can really be a pivotal um are you going to do well or are you not um so i think so for those of you that don't know about social value social value is a process whereby organizations meet the needs for goods services works and utilities in a way that achieves value for money on the whole life basis in terms of generating benefits not only to the organization but to society um, and the economy whilst minimising damage to the environment. So it's it's quite a broad area and it sometimes does get mixed with added value, um, which is slightly different. And um, we've seen a number of bids over the years, haven't we, Suzanne, where, where people give you the answer, but it's very much about we can add value by doing X, Y and Z. Well, that's not actually social value and we can't measure that, so we can't score it. So... Um, the reason we do it is it is a statutory responsibility under the Public Services Social Value Act 2012. Um, and as I say, it's about improving the economic, social and environmental well-being of the of the area, which then links back to what we've talked about, about understanding that local context. Um, so it, it, it does have to be evidenced and it can be tricky, um, but it will be things like, what are you as a bidder what are you what are you going to do to support the growth um, of local businesses promote skills and, and employment um in terms of social it's kind of how you might look at making communities healthier and safer and more resilient 
um, and then looking at how you would safeguard the environment, but then also be in innovative. And that can also be tricky as well, how you measure innovation. Um, but we, over the years, we've seen some really good answers, but also some really poor ones. And as I say, it does make a difference. Um, but but what I would probably say on that is that to really understand it from a local context, it's worth engaging with any local market engagement events that commissioners run, because that's where they'll talk about social value. And from our part, we'll always have somebody from our procurement services come in and actually talk to people in detail about what social value is and what it means for the local area. So I would always encourage um prospective bidders to to engage as much as possible in any offers um from from that commissioner to to really get to know that commissioner's organization and landscape yeah it's interesting to work bidders briefing i think in engagement but i think certainly i noticed on several procurement exercises commissioning rounds that it can vary the attendance level so you might have um, a handful of people at the event but then actually they don't submit bids or likewise, people submitting bids who weren't at the bidder briefing. And I don't think there's no right or wrong way for people to approach it. But certainly when people do attend, they don't necessarily um, ask many questions. And I don't know if that's a fear of asking a silly question. And obviously collaboration is an opportunity that bidders can make the most of through the procurement process. And collaboration is usually welcomed by commissioners. And certainly I know the procurement portal that... Um, our, commission, our procurement colleagues have used enables people to collaborate on bids but people don't necessarily ask questions in an open forum um, and when it gets to the tender process they may ask questions obviously then other people and um, will get to see the answers to but it's um yeah I think sometimes some of the questions could be answered at an earlier point if people have the confidence I suppose it's the same with any like going back to the job interview scenario if you go to, for a job interview process where you're all candidates in a room going through um, having to talk to each other or go through these different scenarios or whatever it can be really off-putting but it's all chance to actually ask questions and, and make your um, self seen really um, just so that you and that, having that confidence then can carry you forward into the bidding process and I think yeah, sending the right people to the events I think as well isn't it because I think sometimes the service depends how big an organisation is but sometimes some of the services are quite they're large and their bid writing teams are quite removed so that's another thing I would say that whoever's writing the bids, they need to be understanding the actual service delivery side, because you can see when a bid's been like copy and pasted, is that corporate approach, which may or may not hit the mark. Whereas the actual mm -hmm. service delivery managers will have the understanding of the nuances and and saying the, putting the words in the answers that actually evidences that they do understand the demographic and the type of people they'll be working with as well. Yeah, no, that's, that is a really good point. You can you can see it from a mile off, can't you? When you get a, somebody, a, a bid writer, a professional bid writer writing it, um, it all sounds very nice, but actually behind it, the substance is very rarely there. Um, and I think that's, you know, looking at the difference, you always hear, don't you, when people are talking about, procurement is kind of procuring paperclips, that type of thing, versus commissioning and designing a, a complex people service. Quite often, because it is a complex service um, and with the detailed spec, the people that are writing that spec, and in turn those that are 
marking those bids understand and know the service and know it inside out. They've got a lot of experience. So it's very difficult to put a very corporate spin on a bid and and be successful because we see, we see through it. Mm. Because we're looking for that detail, we're looking for that understanding and we're looking for people to to tell us why you know they're they're going to be an improvement on what we currently have or tell us why they would be able to support our communities that we know um so i think that's it's yeah just understanding that is really important yeah and it goes back i think to just wanted to recap again on the fact that we commissioners will normally do due diligence so it's worth um most processes do do that it's it's important that providers bidders do appreciate they will be have verification on what they're saying um and that procurement um commissioners will go out to look at sites if necessary to to see actually you said you're going to have an office in x town whatever we've i mean we've done that before gone on little road trip around the county Mm -hmm. want a better phrase actually (laughs) verify that actually the premises that the (laughs) What we're going to be used for vulnerable people are actually um, up to the job. So it's um, definitely um, something that pit bidders do need to be aware of. That it's a, uh, it, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, contracts will be um, are quite tight now. They're tighter than they used to be. Certainly, I, I think so. If there's any issues with a a, a bid, then it um, will be sadly terminated. And obviously, people don't want to do that. But it's certainly worth bearing in mind that it's um, yeah, we're spending lots of money. We do need to be getting the, make sure we're getting what we asked for. So, so to recap then, I think just to go over what we've talked about. So one number one, I say know your area that you're writing your bid for would be the first one, wouldn't it? In terms of the geography, location, make sure if you're bidding that you actually put in the right towns, if you're mentioning towns and understanding the demographics, for instance, as well. So if you've got an area, there's lots of older people obviously answering the question as well is important, but understanding the demographics. So if you know that an area, a town or an area that you're bidding for has got a lot of younger people, a lot of older people, then reference that, isn't it? And look at the, most councils have websites with data demographic information on, don't they? Um, yeah. Sorry. What would your next point be to recap on? I think uh, the next point will be around... Um, just considering the detail of the specification and making sure that your answers reflect that, as we said, like a job interview. You know, aren't, you know that we're scoring. We have to be objective. Um, we can't just look at something and get a good feeling and mark it up. We have to look at the words. We have to look at how it's written. So I think that's um, a vital part. And then I guess um, the third point would be around that social value and engaging with with your commissioning area as much as you can to really understand uh, how to answer those types of questions. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly as well, um, I think my last point would be about, yes, engaging with the process as well. So if you've got the opportunity to go to any market engagement, bidder briefing events, um, or the opportunity to ask questions through the, once the bidding window is open, then do make the most of those opportunities um, to your clear um on what you need to say and do to win that bid. Would you, any final points, do you think, Lucy? No, I think that's it. I think, um, yeah, it it is, you know, this is the world we live in now. Um, 
it'll never go away. It, there'll be more and more things being commissioned. And as you said at the very start, Suzanne, it's part of our work, even if it's a small amount of money, we have to be we have to open it up to a competitive process. Um, so even if it's not a full OG process, even if it's a, you know, you're just putting forward a quote, it's all the same things apply, maybe not in so much detail, maybe, you know, sometimes social value won't be required, but there will always be that robust and objective process that we have to go through. So um, just pay attention to the detail. Hmm. That's great. So thank you, Lucy, for the conversation on commissioning. Um, Hopefully it's given some commissioners some ideas on how to um, approach the commissioning process, but also importantly bidders to understand a bit more about what it's like as a commissioner and some ideas to consider when writing their next bids. Um, so we'll be back soon with another edition of the Talking Community Safety podcast. In the meantime, you can visit our website at communitysafetyconsultancy.co.uk and find us on LinkedIn too. So thank you for listening and we will speak to you soon.